Welcome back to another Dad You podcast. My name is Chris Sherrod. I am the host, and I am joined today with Ryan Nixon in the studio. Welcome. Hello. Glad to have you. Um, Dads, we just want to always remind you this is intended just to be a source of encouragement and equipping in, in different ways. And so we'll do different topics each time that hopefully will give you some tools in your tool belt. I always remind dads, hey, listen, four things faithful fathers do. They, first of all, passionately love Jesus. Like that's got to be number one. Uh, second, you really own the role of disciple maker. That's your job. That's your role that God's given you. Third, you create a word-centered home. And we really base that off of Deuteronomy 6 about God's word is on your heart and you talk about it in different environments and settings. And then the last one is that you initiate faith conversations. Like you're the one bringing up stuff, talking to your family about these things. And uh, I love in Deuteronomy 6 where it, it gives you even just four opportunities. It's like, hey, do this when you sit at home, walking on the road, lying down, getting up. There's just pick, pick one. So the, the way I kind of summarize that passage is you love God, you live his word, you lead your family. So, well, glad you're here. Ryan, tell us, uh, let's start with your job here at Watermark. Tell us what you do, how long you've been here, all the roles you've had. Great. Uh, So I am on the community team and I actually get to shepherd both married community groups and men's community groups. Cool. And I've been on staff for 13 years now. And in those 13 years, I started off with the young adult ministry and then jumped into Frontlines, which is our hospitality team, mm-hmm. and then was with Reengage, which was a part of our marriage ministry for eight years of those 13 years. Yeah. And then I was with Region for a little bit, and again, now with Community. So fun. And are you from Dallas? I can't remember where you're from. No, I'm from Austin, Texas. Okay. Uh, grew up as a Longhorn, uh, but okay. my wife and I met each other at Texas A&M, A-Whoop, okay. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so we met at A&M and uh, started dating kind of after I graduated, and we've been married now for 17 years. Okay. And kids? We've got kiddos. Yes. So we've got three kids, Davey, Evie Lee, and little Ryan. Mm-hmm. So we're 13, 11, and 8. Okay. So that's kind of 7th grade, 5th grade, 3rd grade. So we're kind of starting to get into the midst of emotions, uh-huh. which is exciting. Yep. So how do you, do you call him little Ryan or little Rye? What do you do to distinguish? I'll call him little Ryan. Okay. So he, his nickname for, for us growing up when he was younger was Bubby. Okay. And so I'll still call him Bubby. Yeah. Uh, but it was really sweet. Like he is, out of, out of all of our kids, like he's he's a thinker. Yeah. And he can really communicate with kind of what's on his mind, even as even though he's the youngest. And so I remember him coming up to me, this was probably three years ago, and he just goes, hey, Dad, I'd really appreciate it if you wouldn't introduce me as Bubby anymore. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. you got it. You got it. And they're like, what do, you, what do you want to be called? And he's okay. like, Michael Ryan Nixon Jr. <laughs> like, that's okay. funny. How about Little Ryan? He's like, that's good. <laughs> so I'll introduce him as Little Ryan or Ryan. Yep. Yeah, we named my youngest son, um, same name as me. And what I realized was that changed my name because now I'm senior. Like I have to remember that later on. It hasn't happened much yet, but we got to distinguish. He goes by Christopher. I go by Chris, but still sometimes we call him. Yeah. Chris. Okay, last question. How often do people tell you you look like George Clooney? George Clooney. It it hadn't happened in a while. But they have, right? Surely. They, they have. Okay. I mean, I think the, the gray hair, the gray beard. No, but your face. You really look like I mean, a very George. attractive, you know, young man. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's, it's, been, it's been a hot minute, but someone has said I looked like George Clooney before. Okay. Well, great. Well, what we're going to talk about today, I, what I want dads to always feel like is that they can relate to what they hear. And not to ever feel like they've got to be a perfect dad. And I think that that is one of the things we're going to talk about today. That what do you do when things aren't going like you planned or you're feeling frustrated um, as a dad? And um, I, just, I mean, I know that 
so many times, whether it's like, I'll plan a family devotional. And like, it literally never goes like I want. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, that could have been so much better. Or, you know, how I'm looking back going like, I just, I did not discipline well there. Or I Mm -hmm. forgot to kind of bring in the gospel or whatever. Like, I just, I mean, there's so many times when I'm like, man, I know I could have done better. So I want to encourage dads, just don't stop. Like, keep keep trying. But what are some things on your heart and your mind related to all that? Absolutely. As a dad. I mean, I remember when you first asked me kind of, jump on this podcast to kind of help with parenting. And I really was just like stuck. Like, what, what am I going to share mm-hmm. with dads on the positive side of like, hey, here's how to do things well. And then I was like, well, actually, I can probably do the reverse and kind of share some of the things that I am not doing well at and trying to grow in. And hopefully, you know, some dads can relate or learn from my mistakes. And so that's where just the topic of frustration mm-hmm. and being frustrated as a parent just really popped in my mind. It was like, okay, well, that's something I deal with on a daily, if not multiple time basis in the midst of parenting. Yep. Are you a firstborn? I'm part of a blended family. So I'm a firstborn, but also a middle child. I just didn't know because different personalities obviously can get more frustrated because you're more, if you're more perfectionist, I've had this all planned out and it didn't go like I thought or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was interesting. Like I would say that in life, I don't think people who know me, spend time with me, work with me, like think of me as a frustrated person uh-huh. or kind of a, a quick-tempered person. Yep. Um, but it is just so interesting that in the midst of parenting um, and then a few other areas in my life, I mean, I can just jump off that cliff so quickly yep. and just get really frustrated. And so parenting is one of those main places that that happens. Yep. And um, so I just remember for me, you know, as I'm starting to see this kind of come out more and more, one of the things I used to think is that, oh, well, the reason why I'm frustrated is because, I mean, you're acting this way, you're treating your sister, Mm -hmm. your brother this way. But then I started noticing it kind of, it probably was already there, but I started to notice it in other areas of my life. And I'm just like, oh, I am frustrated so quickly in different situations. And one of the things as I was reflecting on it, and even during my third tour of duty, kind of going through regeneration, which is our recovery ministry. Mm-hmm. Like that was my main sin struggle. It's like, oh, I'm I'm here. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I have new life in Christ and I struggle with frustration. Yeah. And uh, especially in parenting. And so one of the things I realized is that, oh, I get frustrated when my kingdom, the my, kind of my life, uh-huh. uh, the thing that I'm supposed to have dominion over doesn't go the way that I think it should. And people aren't responding the way they think they should. And it really kind of came out in parenting, sometimes with my chocolate lab, my dog, okay. <laughs> and and then uh, driving on the road. Oh, that's totally me. I mean, okay. it's like if my kids would just be better, if my dog would listen, and then if people around me that are driving would actually drive well and maybe drive like I drive because I'm such the perfect driver, um, my, my kingdom would be fine. Yes. But then whenever my kingdom and my life Uh, started to go in such a way that I didn't want it to, Mm -hmm. I would just so quickly move towards frustration. And and I realized that, oh, wait, frustration isn't my kid's fault. That's that's my fault. That's Mm -hmm. my sin issue. And and I think the Lord really showed that to me in the midst of marriage ministry, because as I think about the table we're sitting at right now, it's a round table. And the center of the table is when that's where you are when life is good, it's sweet, like you're in a rich relationship with the Lord, um, your circumstances are going smoothly, um, relationships, family, marriage is good. And the edge of the table is kind of where you jump off into sin. 
Okay. And so you can always, you know, run really far and make a poor choice and, and sin against the Lord and sin against other people. Um, but it, it's always your choice. Now, when kids are getting frustrated with each other, when life is so busy and you feel rushed, um, maybe you and your spouse are in conflict, circumstances aren't going your way. It seems like you kind of start nudging that those circumstances kind of nudge you closer and closer to the edge. Mm-hmm. The circumstances or my kids or drivers on 635 never push me over. Like no one ever pushes anybody over to sin. It's always our choice. But sometimes we might be a little bit closer and it's just easier to jump. And so I was just finding myself, um, you know, just jumping so quickly when it came to being frustrated and responding in frustration to my kids that as I went back to to regeneration, I was like, I, I need to do business with this and learn how the Lord, learn the root causes of this, and then also learn, learn how the Lord wants me to respond um, in these moments so yep. that I can love my kids well. Yep. I think what, it's a good reminder too, that <clears throat> I actually can control this. Like I have five grandkids and I am really patient with my grandkids because I want them to think of their grandfather as this patient, really nice guy. But then my sons, my, my nine and 10 year old, you know, I can, mm-hmm. I, and there's times in the morning trying to get them going for school. Katie has said, have you, have you ever listened to how your voice sounds in the morning? You sound really frustrated and impatient. Mm-hmm. And I don't think of myself as an impatient person, Yeah. but they, it's in my mind, it's justified. Like, oh, but they know, but they're trying, you know, if they would just, and yeah. so that's like always a good reminder of how, how I sound to other people. Like I think, or if someone is around me and mm-hmm. I didn't realize they were there and then I'm like, okay, that sounded really bad. And then it's like, well, well, so what does that mean? Like you're just fake, yeah. you know, when you're around other people, like I don't want to be that. Yeah. So. It's, it's so interesting. I, I, so one of the passages of scripture that I thought about just in the midst of being frustrated is Proverbs 15. And so it says a hot tempered person stirs up conflict, or I'd say mm-hmm. you know, someone who is easily frustrated. I think like anger, temper, frustration, they're, they're not the same, right. they're, but they're, they're definitely close cousins. Yeah, yeah. And so when I'm like that, I'm going to stir up conflict. Um, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Hmm. And so as I think about a lot of times the places that I get frustrated towards my kids when they're not kind of doing what they need to do so that we can go where we need to go. It's when they're in conflict with each other. And it's typically when I want to do something different, like in the evenings, and they're not obeying right away all the way with a joyful heart <laughs> right? and, you know, going to shower, brushing their teeth, saying, thank you, father and mother for providing <laughs> us with this amazing home and, uh, and heading to bed. Right. And so I can find myself in those moments when I want my life to look differently. That That's where I'll kind of respond in frustration. And, you know, as you talk about the idea of how other people don't see you this way. And I'd say the same is for me. A realization that came to me recently, really was during our small group, kind of community group time, is I am a much better pastor and shepherd for people here at Watermark and maybe even for a random stranger that comes up. And he could be belligerent belligerent, and just kind of so mean Mm -hmm. uh, to me or to other people. And I'll be patient and kind with them. But when when I come home and I'm in my kingdom, with my kids, um, I don't have that same patience and long suffering. Yeah, and I don't think I'm fake here at work. Uh, I just think that I am not putting into practice um, the things that I put into practice in other areas of my life 
to help me mm-hmm. do that. And I probably also think that there's something that ties them to me that that they should be responding differently. I can kind of excuse the other person. And, uh, and so just realizing, okay, in the midst of this frustration, the way that I respond to my kids, I want to be someone who pastors them and shepherds them with gentleness, with patience, with kindness, with seeking to understand, mm-hmm. asking questions rather than making statements on what they should or shouldn't have done, yeah. and really getting to be with them. And, and one of the key things, I think, for me and I think for all of us is just margin in time, mm-hmm. either physical time, like that, that it's actually there, and so there's kind of a buffer from something needing to happen, um, or just margin that I'm kind of committing into my own life to say, no, 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 this time right here is fully for them, mm-hmm. and this isn't my time. Yeah. Um, beca- because as I think about margin, we have to have margin and slow down, uh, and this goes into other areas of life, but to pay attention to the Lord and to worship the Lord, to mm-hmm. pay attention to our own soul and understand what's going on in our emotions and our mind and our heart, and also to pay attention to other people. Yeah. And it's costly. And and the sad part of it is that typically, you know, I want my kids to kind of resolve a conflict in 30 seconds to a minute when I'll sit for an hour with grown adults, yeah. um, helping them seek to understand one another. Wow, that's such a good point. And yep. so that that's really, like that, that realization kind of of, okay, I want to be an even better pastor and shepherd to my kids than I am mm-hmm. to those that I serve here at Watermark was something that really was a good reminder for me. Yeah, that is so true. And I think what's interesting too is, like I mentioned, I can be patient with so many other people. And it's it's like with uh, any relationship, like with your wife or your kids, where you, if your boss were to upset you, for, for pretty much anyone who wants to keep their job, you don't fly off the handle at your boss you don't give them the silent treatment. <laughs> like you you can control yourself and just, you know what I mean? And walk away or like whatever. But with, it is interesting with your own family and your own kids so many times, you're not, uh, you don't show the same grace or the same self-control that you you actually do have. You're just not Absolutely. using it in the same way. And I wonder if we just kind of give ourselves an excuse of like, well, my wife, she's not going to leave me over this or uh-huh. my kids, they have to stay around. Yeah. But it is, it is forming and shaping them. Yep. And so another phrase that was really helpful for me as I thought about this in the midst of parenting is that I want to shepherd them rather than shame them. Hmm. And, and here's what I mean by this. Yeah. Like a lot of times when I get frustrated in my kids, you know, CPS isn't going to be called, you know, no one's like, oh my goodness, it's such a horrible parent. Yeah. But there is a big difference, you know, when my kids are in conflict with each other, um, with me stopping and saying, hey, hold on. Calm down here, like be that Proverbs 15, 18 person who's patient and calms uh-huh. a quarrel yeah. and just says, hey, can y'all help me understand what's going on? Like, let's just power down Yep. versus me barging into that room and saying, what are y'all doing? Are you kidding me? And just with the tone that I might use or the words that I might use shift my parenting um, from actually shepherding them with patience and kindness and understanding to shaming them yeah. with you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And and that's informing them on who they see God is, and that's informing them on how they feel like they should respond in life. And, and I mean, that's really, like, as I think about discipleship and discipling my kids, like, we might not walk through, you know, Psalm 86 together, uh, you know, on a dinner devotional, mm-hmm. but that is informing them on do they believe 
that God is a God as it talks about in Psalm 86. This is what it says. But you, are lo- O Lord, are God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Mm. Yep. And, and I mean, people have talked about just how uh, the parenting relationship is really people's first picture of who God is. Yeah. And so if my kids are going to believe that there is a God who is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, um, they're going to see it first in me. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I have to be perfect, but it's like the way I respond to my kids matter. Do they see that type of God yeah. in my responding or do they see, you know, fools give full vent to their folly, to their anger, um, but a wise man brings calm in the end. Yeah. And so it's like, I want to be a type of person that helps them see that it's okay when you mess up. It's okay when life doesn't go the way it's supposed to. And, and we're going we're gonna to get through this. Yep. Okay. So let's make this practical. Yeah. How do you, at that moment, remember all this? Because I know I send the kids up to do a simple thing. For example, my boys, they share a room, uh, whether it's go put your clothes away or go get ready for bed or just do something. And I can hear them in their room yelling at each other or picking on each other or whatever. And I am really frustrated because I was like, you just, I need you to do that and then come back down. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm frustrated thinking, uh, I've just asked you to do something simple. Like, do you, it didn't involve even talking to each other. So I'm walking towards their room. Mm-hmm. What, tell me how, <laughs> what do I need to think at that moment? Give me, give me some handles on like, okay, you got to remember this or what. What's going on there at that moment? Because I know how I feel, mm-hmm. and usually how I feel is not going to be what I should be doing. Exactly. And what's about to come out of my mouth. So do you, do, you, do you think we should stop and pray or rehearse what I'm going to say? Because it needs this. The problem is it needs to stop now. Like what's, yes. what's going on? It's escalating. It's getting louder mm-hmm. or whatever. What do you think? Totally. I just know if I come in there amped mm-hmm. or with energy, it's just going to add more fuel to that fire. Okay. And so I really think for me, it is it is pausing before I go in there. Even mm-hmm. if it's for five seconds, 10 seconds, like I have to pause and and just remind myself like, hey, this is this is a shepherding opportunity. Okay. Like this is just a another reminder that Shepherd they not need, shame. Shepherd yeah. not shame. Yeah. Shepherd not shame. Okay. And just this is another opportunity to remind them that they need the gospel. And that this conflict is, it's okay. And and I think for me, if I can remind myself to shepherd, not shame, mm-hmm. and then ask questions rather than make statements. Okay. And, th- and then I think the third thing is bring the temperature down. Yeah. How can I come in that situation and instead of adding logs to the fire, kind of be like a kind of a cup of water kind of on the situation, on the fire, where it's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to kind of smolder this a little bit. Mm-hmm. The flame's not going to be all the way out, but hey, here, let's just pause. Yeah. Tell me about what's going on. Now, um, <laughs> what's interesting is when I have, and, and but I think really for me to do that well, the practical thing is three, four, ten steps back. Okay. Which has to do with adding margin into my life. Hmm. When I am jam-packed from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, when there's so many activities going on, we're rushing from thing to thing, when I'm busy, like I said, I don't have time to pay attention or give attention to other people, including my kids. 
And so that's just where I think the practical boulder is moving back. I mean, there is what can I do in the moment, but I have to add margin into my life and slow down so that I can be present and patient in the midst of frustrating situations. Um, Because whenever whenever I'm in a rush, whenever I'm busy, I'm always a worse version of myself in that moment, and especially as a parent. And so, yeah. So that's where it's like there's a practical thing. Once something happens, I think pausing, reminding myself, hey, let's shepherd, not shame. Uh, reminding myself, okay, how do I turn the temperature down? You yeah. know, in this conflict, and ask uh, questions. Ask questions. Rather Good than ones, not like, yeah. What, what are you, you an do? idiot? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's just, hey, I think just a simple question is, hey guys, hey, can you let's just pause? Can you help me understand what's going on? And then something what I'll do too, because many times they, you know, are willing to share a hundred percent about what the other sibling did. Sure. And so sometimes it's actually giving them a pause. And so it's like, hey, let's just take a break. Let's just take a five minute timeout. All right. And I, I want y'all to um, sit and pray and just really ask the Lord, like, Lord, what's my part in this conflict? Mm-hmm. And and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna discuss it. But I want you to start off with what's what's your part in this conflict. Yeah. I mean, which is Matthew 7. I mean, let, let's let's take the log out of our own eye first before we take the speck out of someone else's. And I let them know, like, hey, we'll have a chance to take the speck out if there's something that wasn't mentioned. But at least it, if we can all pause, and especially me, it just uh, just turns the dial down on the conflict and the, and the temperature in the room to where now we can at least listen and hear from one another. But again, to be able to take a pause, you have to have margin. Yep. I think related to that, because we want such a quick fix, I know I'll say things like, can we just, can you just not do that? Can you just not, next time, can you please just, and I'm, I'm not getting to the root of what happened mm-hmm. and I'm not shepherding them for sure, but it's because I don't have margin that I've made this where we just don't have time for this right now. Like we're trying to, it's, it's like your driving thing that if, if I don't plan well on how long it's going to take me to go to work, I'm, I'm like shocked that I don't get, have an easy commute. And it's like, why? Why would you think that? Like, when is mm-hmm. it? When has the traffic ever been great? Yeah. But yet you get frustrated. But it's because you made it where you've got to get there in a hurry, and so now you don't have patience because you're thinking I got to get somewhere. But it's like, well, if you planned a little better, mm-hmm. give yourself a little more time, yeah, then you wouldn't be so you know anxious about this. So I think even holding on loosely to your schedule in, in the evening, like what what's the evening schedule going to look like? Yes. I need to be thinking like. Okay, so I need to plan for probably some conflict resolution that we're going to have to deal with. Because in my brain, I would love, again, I think like, well, that let's just not plan on that. But that's not being realistic because mm-hmm. it's just not. Absolutely. Yeah. It, that, that's a great other practical thing is just uh, anticipate that it's going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Anticipate that, you know, your son, our son's not going to want to go shower or stay on task upstairs, yep. you know. The, the daughters are going to get in a conflict over something, mm-hmm. and they're going to start bickering at each other. And uh, so, anyways, like that—that that is, uh, so so getting frustrated in the midst of parenting um, is, is one of those things that is just I've got to continue to surrender to the Lord, and and I think just kind of remind myself like I want to be a Psalm eighty six fifteen dad so that they see more of the true character of who God is. Yep. And then another practical thing, you know, if if you're wanting like a longer read, mm-hmm. is uh. Paul David Tripp's book, Parenting. Okay. Uh, I, I loved it. And I, I love audiobooks as well. Mm-hmm. But just hearing him describe different parenting moments, a lot of them had to deal with kind of res- 
responding in frustration rather than grace. And as he's sharing these examples, I'm like, oh, that's me. Uh-huh. And so it was just helpful to, to realize, okay, I'm not alone. This guy who's a theologian and a counselor, like he struggled with this. And I think just in life, just like, okay, I'm not the only one who can be frustrating and such a, a jerk to my kids sometimes. It's just helpful to realize, okay, I'm not alone in this. But then also there's other men who have learned how to surrender that to the Lord and learned how to shepherd their kids well. Yep. There's a, have you read or seen Every Moment Holy? Yes. So there, one of the things in the first volume is a liturgy for a moment of frustration with a child. Like it's literally what it's called. I need to memorize that. It's so good. Well, what I love about it when I read it, which I probably that needs to be like my go-to. I just need to laminate and put it in my pocket all the time. (laughs) So when I'm walking up the stairs to their room, I'm reading that. But what I love about it is it says in there and remind me a fellow sinner and I kind of remind, but it's like, I need to remember that too. That like you said, God doesn't come, you know, when I mess up or whatever, he doesn't come in angry, frustrated. How many times, you know, all shaming me, those kinds of things, but he's slow to anger and mm-hmm. abandoned in steadfast love. And that's, yeah, but it's, it's just a good reminder that I, I need to parent the way I'm parented by the Lord, mm-hmm. which there's such a big gap between what I feel and what I know I should do. But um, yeah, that's good. And, and it was interesting, as we were driving here, picked up my kids from a basketball camp, and we're driving here, and I just kind of asked them, I said, hey, how, how am I doing, you know, in just this whole, you know, parenting out of frustration? And it was just interesting, they're kind of like, kind of a scale of one to ten, I'm like, sure, and, well, you know, last year, I feel like, you know, they were ranging between, you know, five and seven, Okay. you know, it's, but I think, you know, I think right now, it kind of give you a 7.23, and <laughs> okay. another one give me an eight, and the other one... Uh, my, my middle child, uh, I don't know if I'd say that she's the honest one, but she's the one that'll kind of shoot me straight. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was like, yeah, even seven right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, so there's still some room to grow. And it's like, you know, but okay, I'm not a five anymore. So yeah. working on it. And I just try to tell them on a regular basis, like I, I'm I'm trying to work on this. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the last practical thing uh, for what to do is is what to do when you blow it. Yeah. And and that that is something that uh, my kids um, are being raised in a home where uh, their parents uh, ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. and and uh, I have the privilege of asking my kids for forgiveness on a regular basis because yeah. I recognize it typically takes me a little bit of time, kind of you know fifteen thirty minutes, sometimes even an hour. Uh, a, a spouse, a lovely spouse, my wife is always helpful with that of kind of. Mm-hmm. nudging me to kind of go back in the room, but just getting a chance to share with them, hey, my frustration was my sin. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to talk about why, what you did frustrated me, but <laughs> we're just going to talk about, hey, my frustration's my sin. And yeah. that's not the way God wants me to parent you because that's not the way God parents me. Mm-hmm. So will you forgive me for responding in frustration, uh, you know, while we are trying to get you to go shower or just whatever it is. And then just make that, uh, time where you ask forgiveness only about my mistake or only about your mistake. Yeah. Because I think we can very easily turn it into, I'm going to ask forgiveness and then now I'm going to have a teaching moment on what you should have done differently. Right. So it's just, <clears throat> even with our kids, whenever we ask forgiveness, just ask forgiveness for what what we did wrong and then allow the Holy Spirit and maybe later another teachable moment to kind of help shepherd them yeah. into the way the Lord wants them to live. I think it's so powerful. Even what you just said, which I don't think I've done, which I'd like to do, is actually calling it sin. 
is not just saying that I got frustrated, but but that was my sin. And I think that that even speaks more volumes to your kids because it's it's reminding them that yeah, I need every day. I need forgiveness too. Like mm-hmm. I, I blow it as well. And yeah. yeah, that's great. So that's that's what I've got to offer. Okay. A lot of mistakes and ways that I'm trying to uh, just continue to learn how to be the parent God wants me to be. Yep, I love it. Okay, last question. Is there anything unique that the Nixons do that's just fun or a cool tradition or, I don't know, anything hobby that's kind of a fun thing? I just always like to pick brains and find out new ideas. That's great. I love that question. Two things that come to my mind is one, and this this probably happens three times a week, but just at dinner time, Mm -hmm. we call it rose thorn and the unicorn. And oh, wow. so the rose is just, hey, what's what's the high uh-huh. from today? We want to hear about our kids. The the thorn is just, hey, what was hard? Yeah. What was difficult? And the unicorn is just, hey, is there any silly story? Is there oh, any cool. kind of anything funny that happened that you just want to share? Just to be able to get kind of conversation around the table going. Yep. And then uh, one of the things we've done with that kind of tradition is uh, we would put them on sticky notes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's times that we would keep the roses, keep the encouraging things kind of on the, the window right next to our kitchen table. Yeah. So we'd be able to continue to see them throughout the week. But the thorns is like, hey, we're going to share this, but we're not going to continue to focus on it. Good. So we always want our home to be a safe place to share about the difficult aspects of life. Mm-hmm. But it's trying to remind them and remind us that we will multiply in our minds the things we focus on. Mm. And so let's That's focus so on the the blessings of life yeah. and the good things. And, and continue to remind ourselves of those. But the hard things, let's talk about them. Let's share them. But then sometimes we'd crumple them up and throw them in a fire or just crumple up and throw yeah. them in the trash. But it's like, hey, these, you know, we're going to share them. We're going to kind of bear this burden with each other. But then we're going to throw that away. Let's not keep focusing on it. That's so wild. And so that, that's one little thing. And then the last one is just a bedtime routine. Uh-huh. And I've really been encouraged and challenged by different parenting authors who and just different authors about just spiritual life, about the importance of rhythms. Yep. And so a, a rhythm for us is just a, a bedtime routine to where, you know, and, and then we also put it on our babysitter list. And so I, I, sometimes I think some of our babysitters don't like to sing. And so it'd be interesting to see what it's like, but it's, we always sing them a song. Okay. And typically it's more of like a summer camp song. And so we'll sing a song. Uh, we will pray together. And then we just have two prayers that we pray over them. And mm-hmm. one is just the benediction. Mm-hmm. And it's just, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord rejoice over you and give you peace. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is just us telling them, the last thing they hear from us before they go to bed is, um, I love you. I always will, no matter what. Wow. And just trying to, yeah. and, and those are things I'd say for you know at least five years now, maybe more, that that rhythm of bedtime um, has been something that we've done. And I, and I hope it's something we continue to do or that our kids allow us to do um, even as they go into high school and get older. Yep. I love it. That's really good. There's so many things I know that I, that I have done that I've probably just forgotten that I heard from other people doing. Like, like this is, that's such a great idea. One of my, um, I don't know when it started when we were reading the book, uh, I love you to the moon and back. But that's something my 19-year-old daughter and I still will say things. Or even just she, I, I took her out to Waffles the other night. Mm-hmm. And after I dropped her off back at her apartment, she went inside and I just said, you know, make it in safe or whatever. And then she said, thanks for Waffles, I love you. And then I just did the, whatever the first letter, I love you to the moon and back is, I-L-Y, whatever. Mm-hmm. But she knew what I meant. And it was just kind of yeah. a cool thing that, that um, 
you you don't realize makes an impact on them when they're younger. Yes, absolutely. Until later, they, you know, they they're like saying that back to you, mm-hmm. or you hear them. What I've been really blessed by is hearing my son Rylan sing to my grandson mm-hmm. the song that I sing to him all the time. Mm-hmm. They hear them singing it together, and yeah. just to go, man, that's so beautiful. I so, love it. That's great. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thanks so much. Love to be in here. This is great. Dads, we hope you've been encouraged. And um, I know I am. And I'm challenged and reminded that, man, we just need God's grace. And uh, we're so thankful that, that he offers it. So dads, make sure you're loving God, living his word, and leading your family. And we'll talk to you next time.